my spidey senses tingling. Meow out. He's one host that will always have a server available to me in my heart. He's slim. This is the redo paper keg podcast. Still of your hearts, maybe. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Three dear friends get together once a week to talk about a comic book that they've read. And, you know, we're going to flip ye old script and we're going to do a movie this episode. Filmed by an icon, Zack Snyder. The film being Watchmen. And you know, when you're doing a movie directed by the caliber of one Zack Snyder, you need to go into the business to talk about that film. You need to get into the nitty-gritty of how it was made, how it was written, how it was filmed, the whole nine yards. And we have that man with us today. He's a writer. Unpublished, regardless. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome to the show. Uh, you know, it's me, the paper keg layer peeler. You know, I just peel back those layers. VP of layer peeling. And I'm just going to get into the nitty gritty of the nuts and bolts of how much everyone on that film set was making per year. And what I thought their buying power was in the bond market. I mean, I'm going to get all into your business with Watchmen the movie. One could say we'd get down to brass tacks this mm. episode. All kind of tax I'd pay, babe. <laughs> we're going to take that audio, we're going to slow it down, get it translated, and we'll report back on what Jonesy just said. But we have one more host. He is VP of merch at Paper Keg LLC. He's the brains and brawn behind our recently launched and shockingly successful paper uh, Patreon campaign. I can't even speak. It's how successful it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've got some big news coming up about that Patreon. We'll talk about it in a second. But Dale underscore A, Facebook phenom. Welcome back. Yeah, and uh, I know you haven't told the folks yet, but a uh, spider fell out of my hair while I was at the coffee shop today, so... Add that to my list of accomplishments. Yeah. Your already long list of accomplishments, yeah. as detailed Wish in a spider would fall out of my head. As detailed in the hit podcast, the flap we record that unfortunately once a year. <laughs> uh, you've talked about how you had you know bowel accidents, mm-hmm. vasectomies on that show, and you know we'll circle back to that 360 view of that topic in a second. Back to our Patreon. What a, what a week we've had. We launched a Patreon. First of all, thanks everyone for the, the support. You know, we wanted to create a way for people to support the show and give something back. And that little something is you'll be able to listen to the show way before any anyone else. So if you're a Patreon backer, you know, you're an, an elite 
club, if you want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're listening to this on Monday, you know you missed out. And speaking of missing out, you know if you back at a certain level, you're going to get a Jonesy loves beer mm. custom newsletter mm. delivered to your inbox via Patreon. Jonesy, what can our backers expect uh, weekly? from you at that level. You can expect little or no oversight from any governing body about what I will write to you. Oh, man. Uh, nobody is checking me at the door. Uh, I will liber- uh, liberally spread the word Beb into most of my communications. Uh, but really, back to that VP of layer peeling, I'm going to peel back the layers of my mind and invite you all to see each succulent section oh my god as i as i'm just spitball writing right now on the air about my newsletter just imagine it's gonna be about just imagine people i i I can't even imagine i mean what jonesy just said didn't make any sense it was a nothing statement get ready for that every week it was just vague nothingness and i i can't wait to read that on a weekly basis in email Mm. form and we were talking about you know dale and i in our private g chat that we do during the day. We were talking about schemes, you know, ideas and how to mm-hmm. juice up our, our audience, mm-hmm. our supporters. And, you know, Baltimore Comic Con's coming up. It's right around the corner. We're all going to be there at an amenity. Frequent contributor to the show will be there. She's very close to getting her own podcast at the 200 milestone. You know, Patreon backers, why not give back a little bit something more? Why not record a Baltimore Comic Con exclusive episode Ooh. delivered only to Patreon backers. Oh. Your thoughts, Dale? On this oh way. man, I can't. Eh. The audio <laughs> of that magic, you know, because we're not t- entirely sure when it would be recorded uh, after a long day of drinking and not seeing any any bit of the Comic Con. Who perhaps? Yeah. Who knows? Will we even hit the con floor? I mean, who knows? I probably won't. We might just stay at the hotel bar, get some vodker and ciders. You know, oh, man. And then just retreat back to our hotel room, record uh, you know, a little chat about our day, what kind of celebrities mm-hmm. we encountered, what kind of artists that we spoke to that have then tarnished their entire image with us. <laughs> and you know, we'll, we'll allude to that in the podcast. Maybe we won't name names. Sure. But it'll just be for our Patreon supporters. I mean, just we'll to call him Salix Believe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just imagine when, you know, we're all exhausted after a long day and we start sauced up and we're, and, and we're, and we're sauced up and we're, and we're drinking and we start recording and then we st- we go into the uh, you know the neighborhoods we had to walk through because Foursquare told Slim there was a good restaurant around the corner, and it took us through a mile and a half of uh, deep down downtown Baltimore. Who knows? And that walk actually did happen. Obviously, there's a thread of truth to every kind of jab that happens on this show, <laughs> and that was a nice, pleasant 15 minute walk through some maybe not nice areas. Minute. But man, I don't think I've ever seen Jonesy walk <laughs> so fast with his butt cheeks clenched <laughs> in that manner. It, they almost folded into itself like a butt cheek black hole. It was hole. like a it negative butt. It, I mean, Jonesy, once he started sensing the kind of neighborhood we in, he started wrapping his hands in the dirty Baltimore gauze and <laughs> dipping his fists into the broken Baltimore glass. 
just so he could prep himself for walking down the street while his phone was in his hand. Slim's at the lead, the head of the pack like some scout with uh, his phone out like a compass uh, leading us through the mean streets of Baltimore. Uh, Foursquare says right around the corner, guys. We're almost there. I remember Jimmy's dis- Crack House. I, I, it sounds great. Five star reviews. I remember distinctly saying it's like a 15 minute walk. It was a 15 minute walk. But I don't sure. think you just realize, you know, what a 15 minute walk is like until you're actually doing it and it's 120 degrees outside. <laughs> and it's in a GD Baltimore war zone. That why we're, didn't we uh, Uber that? Because I, I believe we my first comment was, why aren't we Ubering? And you were like, oh, a walk would be great <laughs> for all of us. Well, it's, you were, I think it you was. were high. It's so funny because it. we Ubered to the neighborhood that we walked out of to oh, go eat. That's right. You know? We Ubered to that place, and then we walked to somewhere else. I don't right. remember why that was. What was wrong with the original place? I don't think it was uh, American was it enough too, for well, you. Was it too street for Jonesy? Oh, Is geez. that what it was? I think maybe in the title of the restaurant, there was like seafood in a title, and you were just like oh, beelining God. out to the next burger place you could find on Foursquare. Yeah, I'm out of there. We have, listen, we got a big yeah. show to get just, to. You know, just check out our Patreon uh, you know, st- and pre-subscribe, there's probably going to be some Baltimore goodness for, for backers only. No. Yeah, backers only. You know, if you don't back, we'll see what happens. But we have a big show to get to. Also, uh, last thing, thank you for supporting the show. Um, Jonesy loves beer. You know, we talked about Watchmen last week. We're now finishing officially the summer of Alan Moore. Because next week is definitely not an Alamore property. I can guarantee it. <laughs> that will be recorded at the beaches of OBX. Possibly a hot tub. Oh my. Possibly uh, ticker tape everywhere. I, I wonder what percentage of our audience remembers that reference <laughs> from like a <laughs> hundred episodes ago. What is what is Watchmen the film, Jonesy? Can you take us into the world of 2009? What was life like? What is this movie? Who was Zack Snyder? Zack Snyder is the Noir Duel DC love boy who they go to for their oh visual God. movies. You know, he, he directed such films as uh, The Flop, Man of Steel. Uh, what was the one where the, the girl's asleep and there's samurai? Which one is that? You guys know what Sucker Punch. About? Sucker Punch. Uh, you know, he is a, a super visual director and, you know, based on his work, <clears throat> excuse me, especially in Sucker Punch and Man of Steel, you know, coming to this film, I had, you know, very low hopes as to what I was going to watch. <laughs> and I'm here to say that I was proved wrong. Probably one of the most faithful adaptations of a movie I have ever seen, even though the ending is definitely changed to become a movie ending uh you know the watchman is this wonderful comic book that we are just flipping through you know it follows the pulse of the original graphic novel in which we get story origin of a of a watchman back to story back to origin and almost like this staccato energy that the movie takes you to a high place then takes you down low then back it's a roller coaster ride and it's three hours long and i loved 
darn near every minute of it. Wow. Wow. Uh, wow. And I think Zack Snyder was the perfect choice for this movie. And I realize I am saying some inflammatory things. And I'm not even saying the movie was good. You just said you loved every minute of it. I did. And I'm not even saying the movie is good and would touch a wide audience and would be something everybody is going to be satisfying to everybody. But hearing some flip flopping right now. At the, I'm not trying to go as backpedaling right now. I'm telling the, the truth. I get what this he's saying. The, I get this it. is the quickest backpedal ever. <laughs> after the movie was off, you know, I I real I distinctly thought this is the only way this movie could have happened, and I'm glad that it happened in this moment in time. Let let me, if I may, set the stage for you. Oh boy, here we go in this alternate universe. It's 2015. True Detective is a hit. Get your four square compass phones out. uh, Is a hit. I'm four squaring us through the streets of Baltimore. HBO approaches Warner Brothers and they say, let's make a five part event on HBO Watchmen. Mm. Hour long episodes, Mm. you know, maybe call it a season for all I care. I think that would have been the perfect format for Watchmen, an HBO miniseries. Okay. Mayhaps. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, I would watch that, but don't discount this movie because that is perfect. Yeah. um, What, I mean, what Jonesy says before I say it, it's like we're Patty Duke. I mean, we walk alike, we talk alike, we even... (laughs) Sing a song alike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josie, you pretty much nailed it. Like, every... Th- it is... the Now, we're speaking on the director's cut. I'm very curious to, to go back, which I won't do, and watch the theatrical cut of the film, <laughs> which is like a half hour less. But it is spot on, pretty faithful to the to the original source material and I got to give Zack Snyder and the, the film crew props for that. I, my criticism is that even though it's faithful, it doesn't mean it's an entertaining movie. Yes. Because it's faithful, but just like the, the 12 issue maxi series, it kind of loses sight of the plot so many times that it, that you almost forget by the end of the movie what's what the point was all along. And, and I, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I th- I think that's why I wanted the HBO idea floated around. I think with like a it maybe it doesn't have to be five parts; it could be twelve parts. Give an an hour episode for each issue because I think at that pace it takes on the kind of monthly schedule or even the graphic novel schedule. You don't, you know, most people maybe don't finish this on one sitting, but you're forced to sit through it in a movie yes. for three hours yeah. or two and a half hours. And you're, you're forced to just take it all in at one time. And you're like, what the F is he, what is this movie even about anymore? You know? Yeah. You're forced to take it. You're, you were exactly right. You're forced to watch this three hour movie because you started, you're in, you're getting yourself involved on it. You have to finish it because if you can't, 
Like it's not like there's it's it's a, it's an act structure broken up into episodes. It's like you started this massive undertaking, and it's like almost just like it's taxing in some way that you've spent three hours watching it. I mean, it was and it's good. It's good. It's faithful and it's good, but it's not entertaining. <laughs> I feel like those are. Those are com- those are competing opinions. No, but I feel like I, Dale you could say is faithful. absolutely right. I don't know if faithful it's, means good though. I think faithful can stand on its own. I think that's the point we're trying to make. Right? Faith is that good I means faithful the, to me. Yeah. Like, okay. Zach Snyder had so much moxie in the fact that he probably listened to zero people at the studio who were like, "We can't show this to anybody. This makes no sense." And he's like, "I don't give an f." This is the movie I'm making because I love the source material so much that I'm not going to stray. Like, he almost channeled his inner Alan Moore while making this film, and I love him for that. But the movie itself is a tough pill to swallow. And, and the, I mean, the director's cut, I assume the theatrical version is the same way, but the film that we watched is the book. Like ninety eight percent, the the every quote, it's it's like the script was just photocopied from the comic book. All the quotes, all this, the lines, it's all there. And I, I, the the some of my negatives of the film were obviously it's super long. I had to do it over two nights. I fell asleep during the end of the <laughs> second night. I had to rewatch certain parts on the train this morning. It, the, one of the <laughs> negatives wasn't the 14 minute hardcore pornographic love scene between oh Night gosh. Owl and Silk Spectre. That was that, one of my negatives. That one, well, there's, that's on my list. Like, I was watching, I was like, man, this is a really long sex scene. <laughs> like, I mean, how often do you actually say that out loud? <laughs> the, the, there's a, let me see if I can go down my list. The violence, I feel, was a negative for me. The violence was just a little too mm-hmm. rough and tumble loud just violent like i feel like a lot of the scenes were the fight scenes could have been 90 percent cut and they would have had the same impact yeah Uh, it's funny because i read that they were specifically like made more action oriented and drawn out i guess for a movie audience but it was like it could you're right it could have been a lot more simplified because there's so much more to the movie like and not to sidetrack you, I'm sorry, Slim, but it's like they stayed faithful to the source material, but the source material doesn't contribute to like this actiony kind of comic. Mm-hmm. It's not a comic book movie, right? There's like, yeah, there's like no action in the book. It's like you know, it's story. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the this the sexual assault scene was, I think, the earliest version of the violence. I mean, I'm just not into seeing a woman getting kicked and punched for for what felt like a full minute. Yeah, like we it, get it. Maybe maybe punch her once before you get into your business. I mean, he really like after the third or fourth punch, you're like, I really don't, I don't need to see. Yeah, like I mean, who's in the editing room being like, you know, we could probably use a few more punches to her skull, honestly, in this scene. <laughs> right. Maybe a few more kicks to her stomach. The other. Another negative was Zack Snyder's visual style overall is just not for me in this film. Hmm. Like I, I like how they really kept it true to the book, but I feel like someone else's t- different style would have also worked. And the the overall style of the film totally 
juxtapose the 80s music. Like the 80s music just didn't work for me in this kind of high gloss HD environment. Like it just, anytime an 80s song played, I was like, this doesn't work at all. Just use like regular music for, for this. And it got to the point where I was like, I'd love to see a different version of this film in VHS or like, you know, grainy footage, non HD or like fake footage with 80s music. You know, like make this look like an 80s movie since it takes place in the 80s. And maybe the music would have fit a little bit better for me. I get, I found myself getting kind of excited. I think he he made a point to include a lot of the songs that are quoted in the in the graphic novel. So yeah, but I it's to see like to hear Jimi Hendrix playing as this like super crisp Archie spaceship is like flying over this. Uh, visually stunning, like Antarctic backdrop. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about the style. I did. I don't think I concentrate as much on it, but I can see why that could be a sticking point for somebody. I mean, the set design, the costume design, was good. Breathtaking. So good. I, I mean, super. I mean, Rorschach's outfit. I. In the comic book, it looks like a brown smudge. In this movie, even Rorschach looks amazing, and his mask is probably the most realized thing from the graphic novel. I mean, and, and uh, like stuff like that totally blew me away. Even Doctor Manhattan's bulbous blue dong, like front and center, and every scene he's in, I was like, "This is how Doctor Manhattan should look on a movie." This is mm-hmm. how Rorschach should look. I mean, if you were to mute the entire film, you would see Watchmen come to life and it would look the way you would think it should look in a movie. I mean, if you're looking at it that way, like this movie hits exactly all the places it needs to be. I think uh, Jackie Earl uh, Healy's voice is the voice of Rorschach. I think yeah. I don't think anybody phones in a performance, not a single person. But when you I, put all that great stuff together, it's like, for some reason, it's it's a puzzle that doesn't fit together the right way. Yeah, it's like, it's it's so good, but it just, it didn't need to be a movie, and not because it would be disrespectful to the source material, it just didn't need to be a movie. Like, it just didn't have the pacing of a movie. Like, they... Like them stretching out the fight scenes and make, making that those more action oriented. It's just like they tried their best to make it a little more um, tantalizing and like I don't like upbeat for a movie audience, but they still kept everything else in that wasn't super upbeat. Like it was super faithful to the source material, and it's and I'm not saying the movie disrespects that in any way it's a i think it does a very good job of nailing the story it's but it's just like maybe just didn't need to be the movie because i didn't like feel after watching it i felt like more or less just taxed or exhausted in a way that when you finish reading the book you're like man this really kind of like changes the game 
like mm-hmm. the storytelling in this. And I'm not saying they didn't nail that in the movie. It's just wasn't good for a motion picture. I hope. Yeah. The second night I watched, my wife actually was uh, playing games on the uh, the Wii U gamepad while I had it in the background. And she kind of had like one ear, one eye open. And her comment was, was I supposed to understand any of that? And I'm like, I, I mean, if I hadn't read the novel, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have been able to follow it along at all. Mm. Like, I was waiting for things to happen. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, they did that. Oh, oh, instead of a brain monster, it's Dr. Manhattan. That's a great movie twist. And at the end, I was like, okay, let's get to them finding Rorschach's journal. And the movie ends, and that's exactly what happened. What do you think about the uh, ending or the, the the change, the shift of why the nations united together against one singular enemy? Uh, it works in the in the context that for a movie, it makes more sense than springing a island full of psychics that was mm-hmm. not sourced anywhere in the graphic novel, but it's a comic book, so you like believe in that. Uh, ending when you read the book but i mean for a movie audience to be presented that information at the 11th hour i'm sure would have been you know maybe too much to bear so i like the fact that they made it about doc manhattan but the the only thing that confuses me is in the graphic novel they're worried about an alien invasion so the world starts working together to fight these aliens that supposedly exist well, they know Doc Manhattan. He's been a hero for you know twenty five years, and they know he left the planet. So why would the alliance stick? Because they're afraid Doc Manhattan comes back, or yeah. like that didn't translate a hundred percent the way I thought it should have. Mm. Yeah, the way uh, I, I thought it was a great movie twist as well, but um, I think they just united. Yeah, I, I just think they united. In case Dr. Manhattan does come back, because obviously the fact that he killed just as many people on the U.S. in U.S. soil than he did anywhere else, it's like it's not some ploy or he's not going to eventually go back to a side of any kind. It, It definitely gave a reason for everybody to kind of band together and, you know, I guess. But, I mean, what do you do in the meantime? Like, do you just start building bigger and better weapons to battle this threat of a Dr. Manhattan that you can't beat. Mm. And actually what is different in the movie, like multiple bombs go off, like in all the countries and it's really, it's linked to Dr. Manhattan. And in the book, it's just New York. Like the other countries just decide to come to the aid of the United States after this. And I was, when I was watching the movie, I was like, you know, Dr. Manhattan was like America's boy for de- for however long. He won the Vietnam War hmm. and then it backfires on them. Like, would the other countries really welcome America with open arms at that point? Or they'd be like, well, told you so. You well, created you know, this mess. Yeah, the Axis over here is going to team up and you're on your own, pal. You know, like, would they really welcome Nixon and company with open arms? Hmm. That's the, That was the only hesitation I had. That is the question, yeah. Never know. We'll never know. 
unless Watchmen Two comes out. Oh, I hope not. And the and it, and like some of the shot, like it's, I I thought it was very cool. The the shot, the random shot that sticks out in my mind is when Rorschach and Night Hour and Happy Harry's bar like squeezing the guy for information, and. I remember doing a double take, like going back a few panels, is when Night Owl starts reading about Holland, Hollis Mason's murder on the TV, and he like, as he's watching it, the camera angle is kind of weird, and like focuses on the not top gang member for a second, and I remember when I was reading the book, like I went back a couple panels to like pay special attention to the way the panels were laid out, to like during that same sequence as he's like watching the news and there's a not top gang member there. I mean, it's stuff like that. I was really impressed by how much attention was paid to how they were going to handle the shots in this movie. Yeah. The IMDB uh, page in the trivia section says that instead of storyboards, he literally would rip pages out of the graphic novel and Mm. put them on a storyboard and be like, this is how we're going to shoot it. And the whole, like, oh. six-minute intro was, I thought it was very cool to set up the the world building about how the credits were, like, live pictures. Oh, yeah. Well, that was really long. I was actually wondering, yeah. as I was watching, I was like, I wonder if it's this long in the theatrical version, because this is kind of long. Yeah, it was really long. <sighs> there you have it. The historic movie release of Watchmen, which catapulted Zack Snyder's career. As we know it, mm-hmm. into Man of Steel. I will uh, point out specifically that the trailer for Watchmen oh. initially was awesome. Oh yeah, because Zack yeah. Snyder is a wizard at movie trailers. If you go back to his movies, they're all amazing. Remember that Smashing Pumpkin song during the? That's the one. Oh, yeah, gosh. <sighs> boy howdy! I mean, the Man of Steel trailer is next level stuff. Yeah, it really is. Too bad the movie is piled dookie. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> There you have it. Sorry, guys. Watchmen, as directed by one Zach Snyder. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. Letters at papercake.com. You want to write us a letter, we might read it on the era. You know, I was perusing Facebook the other day, and it might have been an apparition of of the man that was Mark Farrington. I might have been seeing things. Someone maybe stole his account, the now deceased Mark Farrington. But whoever was running that account got wind of a potential at an amenity podcast, and tell you what she might have a guest lined up mm. get out if, of if that show gets backed so the ghost of mark farrington just hates us not the minity you know yeah well maybe he just doesn't like you oh that's okay it's gonna be the second coming of the charles broden show you ask me that classic no. our singular letter this week comes with us from the ace himself uh, Gary Anchetta. He writes to us, uh, Watchmen is one of my favorite comic book works. I found it when I was a teenager, and I've used it for my writing, my thesis, and other term papers in my college career. I've taught it in school, and I've used it for design classes to show how to properly pace yourself. 
I've used it to talk about architecture and Manhattanism and 9-11. I've said a lot about it in my teaching career, so I'll try to be brief with a few insights to the Watchmen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, while everyone cites Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons deserves the lion's share of the praise. Each panel, each character is not a throwaway. They're all a part of this woven text. Gibbons' art does wonders in this story. It was his I- excuse me. <clears throat> it was his idea to start putting recurring characters in the background around issue three, and Moore sort of went with it, culminating into that great scene with a space monster where every recurring character is featured in that huge multi-page spread. I didn't even get that while reading it. Uh, in regards to the movie, another podcast I recommend is the Creative Screenwriters Podcast, where they interview the writers of the Watchmen screenplay. The writers talk about how they were able to get in touch with Alan Moore and bounce ideas off of him while they wrote the script. He even helped them figure out an ending that suited the movie better than the book. The point where Moore decided to stop taking their calls was when the screenwriters started talking about how they would do a sequel to Watchmen, which Moore felt was beyond his purview to talk about. He didn't mind talking about the past and his initial thoughts of the Watchmen, but it seemed like he really disliked giving away ideas for a sequel to a story he will never own outright. Uh, three, if you like Watchmen, I'd like to recommend some other materials that might be interesting uh, to you that aren't before Watchmen. Uh, if you like the structure of Watchmen, I recommend the, the Legion of Superheroes Volume 4. Keith Given apes the style by having uh, the nine-panel grid, the text pieces, and even the adult sci-fi themes intruding on your youthful superhero comics. Giffen is not Dave Gibbons, but he does weave an interesting sci-fi story. But if you ever decide to pick it up, leave when Keith Giffen does. While I love Tom and Mary uh, Beerbomb, their, con uh, their continuation of the story goes a little bit wonky. Uh, if you like the story of Watchmen and want to read Alan Moore approved stories based on the Watchmen, let me recommend Who Watches the Watchmen and Taking Out the Trash, along with Rorschach's journal, The Watchmen Sourcebook, which are prequel stories based around the Watchmen. What is fascinating is that these modules were written while the book was being written with input by Alan Moore. They hadn't even gotten issue six yet when these modules were produced and sold. So you have these ideas that Alan Moore incorporates later into the storyline showing up in these modules. Uh, Daniel Greenberg, scriptwriter and game design consultant, and Ray Winnegar, senior director of Microsoft, deserve the lion's share of praise for putting together a nice compliment to the Watchmen comic book. If you just like grown-up superheroes with a 1980s feel, I want to recommend Wild Cards to you. Like Watchmen, it places superheroes in American history in interesting and unique ways. Also like Watchmen, it adds a level of sexuality and mature themes that was lacking in the comics landscape of mainstream superhero comics in the 80s. This anthology series was edited by, Dale, hang on, George R.R. R. Martin, ooh, based on this really huge Superworld RPG campaign that George put out together in the 1980s. You have people like Roger Zeleny and Chris Claremont contributing stories to these anthologies. If you ever wanted to read Watchmen the book, this is your book. As an aside, George R.R. rejects a young Neil Gaiman short story for the original Wild Cards anthology. The story was about a young goth who could enter people's dreams. He eventually takes a story to DC Comics and becomes the Sandman. Mm. Finally, about the ace I, right there. 
He's just he should he should just be with us. Just <laughs> should teaching come, us as coming we to walk Baltimore. The Ace. <laughs> probably got classes to teach. I mean, this guy. Come on, he's got the goods. Finally, I want to leave with this. There's this architectural theory that I love that perfectly encapsulates the book. Rem Koolhaas has this theory that at the end of the 19th century, a New York culture caused by an explosion of population, information, and technology used a grid to push this explosion into manageable bits. Everything, including comics, developed out of this grid structure called Manhattanism, where one would walk through New York and find something completely different and completely new as he crossed over to the next block. The Watchmen comic is like this. Everything is trapped in this grid structure. It is only broken at two points. The place where the giant creature arrives in New York, and we see the creature explode the grid. The other place is when Dr. Manhattan realizes that Ozymandias is the person behind everything and leaves. He breaks the grid when no one else in the comics does. Breaking the grid, breaking out of the structure of the city, is the quintessential definition of Dr. Manhattan and Manhattanism. This thing out of space and time could defy all structures and or destroy all structures. Dr. Manhattan is both a destructive A-bomb that can destroy a city and a person that can understand that we are all thermodynamic miracles. And it is that dichotomy that makes superhero comics, and specifically The Watchmen, so potent and so interesting. Gary, Ace, and Cheddar. I mean, that's, wow. that's remarkable, Gary. Thank you for that input. I mean, I really, I need this, um, what am I, what was I saying? You need, the you need something. I need the edition, the Watchmen Absolute Edition, even more now than ever, thanks to Gary's letter. Honest to goodness. Ace, uh, we hope to see you in Baltimore <laughs> and buy you a beer so you can regale us with more. I just like, again, we, you know, Dale and I talked on another show we do about a person that you just want to sit cross-legged on a floor and just listen to them tell you information, and Gary's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And, the, the, and the other guy being the narrator to the Walt Longmire series of books. Which is coming back very soon, mm. right? Sure. The, do we have a date on that? 21st of September? Oh, God. I, I might have to go back. I don't know. I might not be able to be emotionally ready for when that show comes back. I thought it was the to... 10th, to be completely honest. But that September 10th? That's what, that's what I thought. Oh, my God. We're going to be in vacation. We're going to be in OBX. Slim. I'll be watching it. I'll be like, hey, guys, did you see the episode? I still have to, I still have to finish gonna, season three. We're going to have to live with Jonesy uh, <laughs> talking about episodes and... <laughs> Alluding to things. I would never do that to either of you. Oh, my so God. So you just relax. All right. Next week, huge, edge episode. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be in OBX. Just me, Dale, and Animinity. Hmm. We're going to be recording an episode. Who knows where? Who knows on what beach? Who knows in what room? Oh gosh. But we'll be together Who locally. We'll be wearing clothes. And we'll be talking about Miss Marvel, Volume 1. And this is the brand new Kamala Khan series. One of my favorite books. 
Spoilers. Handpicked by Atnaminity. She wants to do this book for her grand return to the show. And what, I mean, what better way to, uh, it's best we pick a book that's loved so we can be drunk and talk about it, you know? Yeah. Beloved. Kids eating sand over on the, on the beach, whatever. <laughs> Who knows what they're going to be doing. Uh, we will see everybody next week. show version two mm, i am yeah. so rest in peace jersey's laptop you know a little I insider might. info oh should we number this 218 or do you want to skip comic movie episodes numbering yeah let's so skip. like let's okay i was for some reason i thought about that during the show and i didn't have a time to bring it up i think about putting my fist through my laptop to be you honest. know we had we re- we started recording at like 10 30 tonight I had a long day at work. We came. We we were we, we had we had a vibe going. If I may be so bold, it was earlier. Vibrant, we had a vibe. A we were firing vibe. on all cylinders. We were talking about the Patreon. We were talking about spiders and Dale's hair. Mm. And then Jonesy's computer est the bed. Lost mm. all his audio. We lost all of it. We had to redo it. I mean, you might yeah. you might not know that you wouldn't be able to tell but now we just told you and it was like trying to mentally build ourselves back up for round two mm-hmm. i don't know about you guys but it was it was tough yeah i mean i was thinking you know, about quitting the show right then and there i tried you know i, I felt like that was going to be a tough moment for the three of us i tried to pick you both up on my shoulders during that intro segment yeah I tried to, definitely I tried, I tried to where there was only one set of footprints is mm-hmm. when you carried me yeah both of us. Did you see? Did you see Nick Spencer making that joke on Twitter the other day? No. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> about wasn't it about Silk or no? No, it was some new Marvel book that he's doing. I think. Yeah. And he said the artist was the one carrying him. <laughs> great show. Great show. Great, great show. Great joke by Nick Spencer. Great show. Let's get back to Jonesy's laptop for a minute because during mm. the troubleshooting process, I had asked what version. You know how many updates. You had left on your computer, and, <laughs> and you made the shocking comment that you don't believe you've ever updated your computer <laughs> at any point. Oops. I mean, you um, okay. So I think that's an action item from this meeting. We're gonna we're gonna work on updating that computer before the next time we record. You know, you've got some time, Jones. You've got like a week, and then I go on vacation. Mm. Actually, no, I'll be recording the Tuesday you get back. You look like gold dust when you did that move. When gold dust, you know, inhales really loudly. Next week, no Jonesy. Jonesy taking the week off. We'll have your newsletter if you're a Patreon backer at the $10 level. 
And, you know, maybe if you're just a backer in general, maybe you get a little something extra that week. You know? Maybe there's a flap recording for the fourth time in four years. What? You know? Maybe a little something extra for those Patreon backers. Subtitle Jacuzzi Time. <laughs> Hopefully Jacuzzi Secrets. <laughs> They'll be in bed at 8 p.m. every night. Oh. We'll, we'll watch Jaws on the couch and he'll fall in and out of sleep. One of his favorite movies. I'm yeah, a, look, I, like, Grayson I, has these I, cute little slippers and Dale's like, no, they're mine. I have two kids. I'm on, I'm on the beach all day. Beach makes you tired. Yeah, it does. You're out in the sun I mean, all day. And yet here I go. I went into Brave New Worlds comic shop over Ooh. here. Oh my god, okay. my hair is so sweaty right it is, now. It's, it's amazing. tough to look at. <laughs> Let me take my hat off for a second here. Look at this. I can pull it all on one side. It looks like I'm in like a hipster boy band. I should be like a bass player. Yeah. All right, enough of this. Uh, I was in Brave New Worlds and I saw a Jaws shark action figure. I can't remember what company makes it, but it looked like the company that makes the little like big head action figures you know those things oh, yeah, like the funko whatever yeah i think funko makes it it was pretty cool looking actually hmm. that's quite cool. you know it is my favorite movie it was my birthday when we watched it i did fall asleep about an hour into it you know <coughs> uh, i'll do better i'll do better alleged you i mean we're not going to have any flat screen high def tvs to look at anyway on this no, trip. we're not. We have cathode ray <laughs> tubes. My gosh, we're probably not even gonna watch the TV. Period. There's gonna be n- what's the point? There's gonna be nothing. There's gonna be squat on that television. <laughs> Three, six, and ten. All right, let's wrap this up, Jonesy. That's it. Wrapping it oh, up here. Got it. Great that shot. Which three, six, cow. and ten is local to Philadelphia? Nobody else knows what I mean by saying that. But <laughs> love you guys. Next time you hear from me, I'll be snoring on the couch when Slim records me at 7.30 sleeping.